welcome to the fourth episode of the Lost Boy Academy. On this episode, I have Brian Selvi as a guest, who is a friend of mine from high school. We both attended an international school in Kobe, Japan. He currently works as a hedge fund analyst in Tokyo. So I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Is recording. It's good to so, finally have you on the show. Uh, how are you today, Brian? Thanks for having me. Uh, super excited. Yeah, I've been looking forward to being part of this podcast for a couple of weeks now. So thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, of Hopefully. course. Of course. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think um, I kind of gave you like a general idea of the podcast that I'm doing, but it's just uh, to have a guest over and have them share their thoughts or experience that are um, that they're currently going through and maybe listeners can relate or perhaps um, uh, maybe you know relate to your stories and alleviate their anxiety or get inspired or um, whatever um, uh, yeah, they can take pretty much whatever from our conversation um, but I'm excited to have you on the show uh, since you are so far the first uh, guest um, who is also alumni of international school in Japan, um, which I think offers a pretty unique uh, experience. Um, and because also a lot of people say that we tend to have some difficulty fitting into um, the dominant society after graduating from international school, just because it offers such a unique environment. And so I would also kind of like to um, know your experience, how your experience has been so far living in Japan and working. Uh, but um yeah let's just kind of start off with uh getting to know uh your background and you're born you're born and raised in um hiroshima uh, in japan right yeah so i was i was born in tokyo and then oh, okay. raised for a couple of years but then grew up in hiroshima from when i was i don't know maybe five until 13 okay okay all in hiroshima uh and during that time i attended for my entire childhood hiroshima international school i see that was was a pretty tiny international school where i think on average my class size every Mm. year of my school was maybe like eight people wow wow yeah has that okay yeah no no, has that school like grown since or is it still the same number of students yeah i think when i was um in kindergarten there yeah school was probably in total 60 people i see i see no high school at that point it was only until middle school Mm, mm. by the time i left when i was 13 i want to say we had about 150 people and now there was oh wow okay even even by you know the time i left it's very small by international school yeah yeah i see yeah speaking of um yeah international school standards because i think i don't know um you know there's a bunch of international schools in tokyo and i feel like the people that attend international schools in tokyo are the people that you kind of like come across more frequently um and obviously you never attended international schools in tokyo but you've you've you know been there traveled and met people there but 
is there anything that makes uh, the international school in Hiroshima that you attended um, kind of unique um, from the rest of the international schools? Or I think that's a good question. You know, because, well, so what happened was that when I was 14, I then moved to a boarding school called mm, Academy. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Four years after that. Um, and that was in Kobe. That was a much larger school. But I think what made Hiroshima so unique was just the size. Mm. You know, when I was in kindergarten, I literally knew every single other student. Mm. All mm. Grade, right. And they're almost like my brother and sister because yeah. they're so small yeah and so in that sense you did definitely have a little bit more of like this family atmosphere mm. um and compared to and i think you know our school Canadian academy also had that feeling because it, again it's kind of small and international yeah. school standard but i think maybe compared to uh some of the international schools in tokyo when i do talk to my friends that went to those schools it mm. feels a little bit less friendly there mm-hmm more of a function of the size of the school than anything else i see does that is, is it also the case for um that now that you like you know you're working in tokyo living in tokyo do you do you think the size really really matters um in terms of how friendly the people can be in the city uh compared yeah, to people yeah. in hiroshima and tokyo and i think you know not only in hiroshima but also both of us having gone to school in kansai mm. I tend to in kansai are a little bit more friendly mm. And, you know, I think they're more, they're more rude in some ways, mm. but it's not intentional. It's just right. how they talk. And that rudeness almost allows them to break down barriers and mm. conversation. I feel like in Tokyo, everyone tries to kind of be so polite Mm-mm. and so stick to themselves. Whereas in Osaka, it's a little bit more like, you know, dirty and like down mm. to the earth. And mm. so it doesn't necessarily come across as friendly, but I think there's more connection between people. Mm, 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 mm. definitely i think that's something i've noticed coming to tokyo is that it's just like a lot more lonely place i see i see in terms of your interactions with just strangers mm, 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 mm. i see i see huh, huh. okay well you that way? or you kind that? of grew up do you feel that way because you grew up in tokyo but yeah you, know, you obviously that for your experience in Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really, um, pay attention, pay attention that much. And even when I went to Kobe, um, like obviously, you know, uh, I made a lot of good friends, but apart from that, I didn't really interact with people, uh, like the local people that much. Uh, so I couldn't really see the difference, but I guess, um, when I was still attending Canadian Academy, I would come back to Tokyo um, during every break and uh, reach out to some of the friends that I made uh, at international school in Tokyo. Um, and yeah, they're they're like, yeah, I met like a bunch of friendly guys, but yeah, I think uh, the school itself is so big and like the friend group that they have already is so big. So it was kind of hard to really uh, connect with them on personal level. Um, it was nice to like, hang out on breaks and see you know see them once in a while but yeah so in that sense i do kind of uh yeah, yeah your comparison um something that i can kind of relate to it now yeah yeah i think it's like it's almost it has its pros and cons in the sense mm. of that if you fit in mm. and it's a small school it's great mm. because it's a really tight close group of friends right you see each other every day you hang on the same people every day um 
But on the other hand, if you don't fit in, mm. it can be a lot more challenging just because there's such less people, right? Yeah, and yeah. And in our high school, they were like clearly defined groups. Mm. Right? But the number of groups was low compared yeah. to like this more like ASIJ. Mm-hmm. And so if you can't find your, your home within those small pre-existing mm-hmm. groups, it's a little bit more challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because of numbers again. Yeah. And I kind of felt in college. In college, you know, mm. you're going to find someone who has the same interests as you. Mm-hmm. Right? It's inevitable. There are so many groups and there are so many different people. Mm. And everyone is kind of accepted for who they are. Mm. That so easy for anyone, I think, to make friends. Um, you know, national school can be very challenging if you don't fit into one of those pre-existing groups, I think. In a, in, in an international school or a smaller school, you mean? Smaller school, especially. I think yeah. all international, especially in smaller ones. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely feel very, I got very lucky with the friends that I made at international school because if you, you know, fit in and find the right group of people, then you can uh, get as close as you want from there. Um, so I see. But okay, well. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Please. I mean, I was going to say as a full, you know, as a whole, like, I feel like on an international school experience, though, I feel like very grateful. Mm, mm. International schools. Mm. Um, you know, it's pretty unique experience growing up in that almost of a, a bubble. Mm. Um, but I, re- I just enjoyed every day of it. Nice. And maybe part of it, you know, I didn't have the same experience you had going to like prep school in the U.S. or going to Japanese mm. school. Mm. But and so it's really all I know, but I can, I really look back at those memories very fondly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because, you know, you are half Japanese, half American. So do you think kind of international school, so naturally, um, uh, you, like you didn't have any real issue um, finding your space in that environment? Yeah. I mean, I, on to the contrary, it was much easier for me to find my space than if I had gone to a public Japanese school. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I mean, to give you an example, I had done, um, you know, swimming lessons when I was a kid. Yeah. Hiroshima, right? And the swimming lessons are, I was the only white kid there. Right. right. Even that, I'm only half white, but it was yeah, yeah. so hard for me to make friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone called me Gaijin. Mm, just like, mm. It's very difficult to fit in. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. You went to Japanese schools. What was your experience like? Japanese school? Um, yeah, I mean, in elementary school, like, you know, I got like, um, you know, like name calls and stuff, like teasing. But yeah, I think I also kind of got lucky too. Well, the Japanese middle school that I went to um, accepted a lot of, uh, we had a lot of um, exchange students coming in and out. Um, so it was a Japanese school, but had some, um, some, they, they, they're making some effort, um, in bringing international students. So, yeah, I, I don't think my experience in Japanese school uh, falls into the typical, you know, public school experience here. Um, but uh, yeah, when I attended, attended international school, it was very natural for me to, um, make friends there and, kind of uh, mold into uh, their culture um, and environment. But yeah, well, so, you know, we, we spend three years together in the dorm. Um, 
And after that, you went to, uh, you attended University of Virginia, um, which is a pretty big, that's a big state school now. Yeah, massive. I, my, my class was 3,500. Oh, wow. Okay. How, I mean, that's a pretty big, you know, you attended a small international school in Hiroshima and Canadian Academy, an international standard is not that big. And boom, like you're into, yeah, like a massive university in the States. And how, how did you first like take that whole experience as a freshman? Or, I mean, not even as a freshman, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was definitely a transitional experience. Mm. Having grown up not only in international schools, but also living in Japan for most of my life. Mm. I never you know, attended any schooling in the U.S. And so it was a pretty big transition. Uh, University of Virginia is located in a small town called Charlottesville. Mm. Really kind of off the map in some ways. <laughs> yeah. um, and so for me... As someone who had grown up in the city, taking the subway every day, you know, yeah. all those things that you, me and you were kind of accustomed to, yeah. going to a place where, you know, this town is tiny, predominantly white. I think like 70% of the student mm. body is white. 70% of the student body is from Virginia. Mm. Um, it was definitely, wow. uh, yeah, it took a while, I think, for me to get used to. Right, right. But same token, I'd say like part of the reason... I wanted to go there um, mm. apart from like academics and stuff was uh, because it was in a college town. Mm. You know, I felt like if I had gone to NYU or I thought I considered going to like UCLA, mm. it would a lot more like home. Mm. There's a lot of people like me, a lot of international kids or kids with international exposure. Um, you know, you basically live in LA. It's like big city. Yeah. So for me, I kind of wanted that new experience of going to a college town mm -hmm. and seeing what like kind of being part of those traditions mm. yeah definitely i think for the first couple of months it was a, a little bit of an overwhelming experience i see, I see. but do you think you kind of like i don't know how you phrase it but i mean you grew up in japan for most of your life but you know you do have uh you know the american identity as well and and that that was like fairly easy to kind of um um how do you call it just kind of again mold it like fit in um to uh the culture there and yeah i mean i think in terms of like making friends it wasn't yeah. an issue because mm. like i'm half american my dad's from yeah. montana yeah uh fluent in english right it was we and both of us we kind of grew up i think for the most part like almost idolizing western culture whether that's like music or tv mm. shows yeah 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 in Japan, but we were very much involved in Western culture. For sure, for sure. Western pop culture. So it was a, in that mark, I'd say it was relatively an easy transition. But the transitional part was just more of almost, almost like my mental state mm. of being like, oh, I'm here. Like, I can't just like get on the subway and go somewhere. Mm. Right? Mm. Or like, even like, it's just more of a lifestyle thing yeah, as opposed yeah. to getting in. Right? I but, see. Yeah, I think because I did have that part of my identity making friends things like that wasn't really an issue i see i see hmm. i don't know like virginia has like is there a lot of nature in that area um, oh yeah right next hmm. to the Shenandoah valley okay so you know the song country, country road <laughs> yeah like that's like i used to go drive through that national park i see and like, see all the mountains and see the yeah, Shenandoah valley so it's a really beautiful place yeah, yeah. lots of nature
Yeah, that's that something that. Awesome. Yeah, that's something. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. I see. And um, you, uh, what you, what you study again in University of Virginia? My official major um, mm -hmm. is commerce. Commerce. What's within that finance and marketing? Okay. And did did you know that? Like you wanted to like study um, those subjects uh, before entering or? Actually, I wanted to be a vet. Oh, really? So, ah, oh, yeah, you told me. Okay. I wanted to be a vet. And going into my freshman year. Damn, you, know, would, you wanted to be, that, okay. Yeah, that kind of means you, you know, you're either like a biology or a chemistry major. Yeah. After that, you go to vet school. But at the same time, I wasn't like 100% sold on the idea. And I'd already placed out of, the biology credits that I needed from doing the IB program. Shout out to Mr. You know, I'd Ferguson. Base out the <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Ferguson. <laughs> uh, I had kind of placed out of the basic classes. So when I was doing that, because I had that extra, those extra credits, I decided to take some of the business classes. And then I was like, oh, like, you know, this is also kind of an interesting path. And the way that at the University of Virginia, the way it works is that the business school is from your junior year. So your freshman and sophomore year, you take liberal arts classes and then you apply to the business school. And then a lot of my friends in my dorm were applying to the business school. A lot of people come in with like, I'm going to go to that business school because it's quite highly respected. Hmm. Um, and so over time, I just found myself gradually shifting my focus and like signing up for the finance classes. And then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to apply. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe I'll switch back to like doing biology or something yeah um, but it ended up working out and i got accepted and then i thought hey i'm just gonna roll with this okay yeah here i am working in finance i see and so it was it was pretty easy to kind of like put that um um aspiration to become a vet aside and just yeah i think i mean it's still like something i think about okay okay cool doing okay. a post back one year biology and then go to vet school but um I don't know. I feel like maybe I didn't want to be a vet as bad as I thought I had wanted when I went to school, you know, mm -hmm. of mine, but I don't, I don't know. You know, it's so tough to know what you want to do. Yeah, going for into sure. I don't know if you felt the same way, but yeah, dude, of course. Just kind of thrust it there. Yeah, I mean, I still don't know what the fuck I want to do, <laughs> but that's kind of, that's crazy. Cause you told me that you wanted to become a vet, like, last weekend when you're here and i don't think i've ever heard that uh yeah. from you yeah yeah i never really talked about it actually but i've always loved like the idea of working with animals mm. and i think maybe part of it was like i saw the hurdles that it took to get there right i gotta do four mm. years of biology and then i gotta apply to veterinary school and then two more years of vet school which will be very expensive Mm. I was like, all right, if I get into the business school, like it's pretty highly regarded. I'll definitely be able to get a decent job out of college, you know. Mm -hmm. So once I see that path, it was almost like the easier path to take. Mm -hmm. What started swaying me, and then all my like all out of like ten of my close friends, five of them were on the same path. So it was easy to kind of sure. momentum. Yeah, so that's it's funny how things work out. I see. I see. Okay, well, so yeah, so once you kind of chose that path, um, well, it's in university, at least to study pursue finance, and 
that's when you uh start doing you start doing internships uh maybe at your senior year maybe junior year um and yeah what which what kind of companies uh did you intern at yeah so my so my first internship was at my junior year in mm. 2017 and i worked at a company called the motley fool mm. and it's in uh dc basically um, about f 500 employees okay. and essentially it's a company that provides recommendations on stocks to buy i see so if you sign up for the service every month you'll get one like good stock idea right mm -hmm. like buy amazon and then it will tell you all the reasons why mm -hmm. and generally that firm had a very long-term perspective mm. like buy amazon and hold it for five years okay um, and the only reason I ended up working there was because my dad actually subscribed to their service Okay. and listened to the podcast and he said, Hey, they have an opening for a summer internship. Why don't you check it out? Yeah. And actually before that I had applied to tons of internships and just gotten rejected from every single one. Huh. I probably applied to over 60 internships Holy and I had shit. I heard back from two. Okay. Three because of the, excluding the one. Yeah. And then I interviewed at two. And then I got this one. Wow. So it was a pretty grueling process, but yeah. uh, it was a pretty exciting company to work at. Very mm. relaxed. You know, you can kind of take off time whenever you wanted. The kind of place where people work on beanbags. I see. Okay. They're walking on the treadmill. And so it was a pretty unique um, experience to work there. And then post college or post senior year, I actually did an internship for that summer. So we, I graduated in May. And then I was an intern from uh, June to August at a company called, which is my mm -hmm. current company. Um, and that's also in finance and also about stocks, but it's a hedge fund. So we're actually trading stocks. Mm -hmm. So I interned in the Tokyo office yeah, that summer. Um, and then I received full-time offer and I've been working here for just about, just about two years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I feel like I always ask you what exactly you do. Uh, and you always explain but I don't I don't think I'll ever get it. But I, I know like how, you know, like crazy, like compared to other uh, people's work life, um, it is for you because I mean, you work, I, maybe that's like unique about your industry, maybe that's a norm there. Um, but you work on, you know, weekends, um, and you yeah, you go into the office really early in the morning, come back at like 10 p.m. And yeah, what's like your uh, like breakdown of your, can you give it like a breakdown of your typical day? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, just like kind of like what I do is honestly, yeah. I try to find stocks and I try to predict the future stock price, right? Okay. So if I'm like, if we're talking about like Japanese companies like Unicodal, mm. right? If the Uniqlo stock price is some yen, it's like, do I think it will go to some mango yen mm. in the next month? And okay. if it is, we'll buy it and we'll try to make that 5,000 yen, right? Buy it at some month and then sell it at some mango yen. I see. I see. Okay. Obviously, this is in the scale of much more, like a lot of money. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, my typical day, I'm usually in the office about 6.50 to 7. Dude. Yeah. when you leave the when, when you leave your apartment usually like six i try to leave my apartment at 6 25 okay okay well. and about 10 minutes of station walking and then five minutes at station then i get some breakfast and i'm in the office okay 
And first thing I do, well, I've already been, you know, as soon as I woke up, I've checked my email mm. and I've looked at the news to see what's come out. Okay. Um, I usually look at what's happened in the U.S. market. Mm. Yeah. And then so once I arrive to the office, it's like all about collecting what's happened, what's new, right? What company said what, what data came out. Yeah. And then at 45, I have a meeting with my team every morning. Okay. And my team other analyst and my boss and my portfolio manager and from 745 to about 815 we just talk about what's new hmm. right so if like for example donald trump says uh he's going to increase tariffs on Japan, on china hmm. then we talk about like okay what's the implication on the stocks that we're looking at right is this hmm. negative is this positive xyz and then think about how we're gonna how that will uh impact how we trade those stocks in the future okay and post A15, I'm back at my desk. Uh, I'm usually, you know, uh, watching the market when the market opens at nine o'clock. Hmm. And then on Excel, building models, uh, looking through data, looking for like interesting correlations and relationships. Hmm. And then, you know, I'll usually do that until 3 p.m. Okay. And then we'll have another team meeting where we'll talk about more in-depth ideas. So if I have an idea on Unicodal, I'll kind of walk through my thinking and like why I think we should buy it, why I think mm. we should sell it. Um, and then that will take me to about 5 p.m. Mm. And I'm back at my desk again, looking at Excel, looking at data, looking at mm. what news. Um, just so that I can, it can help me formulate decisions in the future. And then my mm. day usually wraps up. I usually leave the office at like, maybe like 9 p.m. Mm. Yeah, so seven to nine. So yeah, it's not terrible. And then go to the gym and then I come back home and that's kind of my day. I see. I see. And, and the people you work with are, um, are they pretty much, are they uh, dominantly Japanese people or? Uh, yeah, I'd say my office is pretty diverse. My mm. team is entirely Japanese. And so I do almost all my work in Japanese. Okay. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. In terms of, you know, so working with my team. Yeah. But because we are an American company and this is the Tokyo office, everyone is expected to have like a certain level of English. Okay. So my boss, for example, like our interactions are all in Japanese, but if I write up a report, mm. I'll write in English. I see. Because he knows for me. So the amount of additional time it would take to write that in Japanese would just yeah. be a waste of my time mm. because he can read the English, right? I can read the Japanese. So that's kind of how we, I see. we make it work. But yeah, I mean, in our office, you know, we have, uh like just to name some of the nationalities like yeah someone from kenya someone from france someone from italy someone from brazil uh, but so maybe it's like 50 percent international 50 percent japanese okay so when you like uh do you have to deal with like the strict um like senpai kohai you know um, those speaking like it's talking to them in a respectful manner and using keigo and stuff my boss is very relaxed okay so we don't really do any of that um but some of the other teams, I think it's a little bit more of that kind of structure. But it really just depends on how the boss is. So you kind of adjust to however your boss likes to work. Mm. It, do you, does the, the, the company, the environment, like, is there some resemblance to like the, the same environment in international schools? Like people using Japanese and English? And, yeah, definitely. I, see. I think I really enjoy that. It's kind of a mix of cultures. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So I, I do feel that. I mean, it's a great company to work for. I see. I see. Huh. And 
what's like i mean yeah that's like uh you know my my day-to-day is like pretty standard nine to five and um and you know just from that i'm kind of uh sometimes fed up with it um feel exhausted but what what is like your uh honestly if i like you know live your uh current like working life i'd probably be like i'll be done in like two weeks but what's what what keeps you uh like what's your what's the mo- like motivation uh that keeps you going and do you enjoy it seems like you have to enjoy what you're doing yeah, yeah. i mean definitely yeah. i think you know there's always like pros and cons to my work life the cons is you work a lot mm. like, you know, I, like we were just talking about actually i was in the office all day yesterday and Saturday. yeah um but i think the pros is that it's very like intellectually stimulating mm very fast-paced and so like I don't need to ever you know wait for more work like the work just hits me I see someone will say some company will say something or like I said Trump will do something Mm. that will totally impact the entire tech supply chain and then I need to think about okay what's the implication Mm. right and that day's notice right Trump says something and overnight I need to have an answer before the U the Japan market opens at 9 a.m the next day Hmm. so i think it's super intellectually stimulating um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes it makes me want to like you know <laughs> just slam my head against the wall because i can't figure something out yeah yeah you know, like make some assumptions and work around it hmm. also what's really exciting about it i see so i definitely do enjoy my job you know i drink a lot of coffee yeah <laughs> <laughs> and if I, by now i've kind of gotten used to that route routine and that works okay. out but um yeah i see yeah. huh so okay so you kind of like you know you you see yourself working there for maybe for some time um yeah i guess like currently i have no plans obviously we'll see what happens yeah anything, but um you know from my end yeah i'd like to continue working there i see i see no no more of a plan to go become a vet you know, I think never say never. Yeah. Uh, this in like you said, like we just talked about, like my work life can be pretty stressful. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm young, I feel like it's not such a big deal. Mm. I wonder, like, you know, in let's say 10, 15 years, if I have mm. a wife and kids and what that kind of will look like. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, by that time, I'll become a lot more efficient too because I'll have more experience mm-hmm. and I'll kind of you know my baseline knowledge level will be way higher than it is today right so the right. work i have to do should be less right you know i can't imagine myself i'm the kind of guy who wants to eat dinner with my family every yeah. day i see able together and talk about the day i see i see so you do you do vision yourself having a family and um yeah, kind of living that lifestyle i see, yeah. I see. and so i like how compatible how compatible is that with like my current lifestyle yeah no right huh interesting interesting hmm. do you have any like uh, i don't know side project that i mean i guess you don't really have that much time right now but mm. side project that you want to do or you're thinking or uh. I mean, it's not so much a side project i guess but uh i mean i guess um one thing is like i've been trying to read a lot more oh okay because 
I just found myself being super exhausted coming home and like watching Netflix because it's so passive, you know, it's so easy. Sure. Um, and then I was always a very avid reader growing up. Hmm. And so I felt like I'd lost that. And so I've been trying to just get back into reading, get back into, you know, following those stories that I used to love. Mm, just like just like novels and stuff. Novels, like yeah. all the classics, um, mm. things that I missed out on that I think are great, things that I want to reread. Mm. I want I try to keep all the books that I enjoy so that I'll have them for the rest of my life. I see. Pass them on to like my kids and be like, hey, this is a great book. You should read this. I see. That's like my hobby. Um, but on the other side, like I'm trying to also become more creative. I think my work is very much like you know, it can, it's like things that need to be solved by numbers mm, mm. has to be an answer. And the answer is a number. Mm. But, and so in that sense, like I tend to use only that side of my brain, mm. also like the more creative side. And so, you know, I've actually been talking with some friends and you're one of them in coffee sleep, but like about doing my own podcast and mm, or mm. Some like comedy skits or stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah. And very, difficult because my work in the past couple of months has been super demanding and with the coronavirus sure. at home but i'm hoping like once i get more experience under my belt i'm going to be able to take less time yeah 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 um, and more time for kind of those personal passion projects for sure yeah yeah that'll be definitely fun with that the comedy skit on youtube and stuff that we're talking about it's just like something completely different you know mm, 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 mm different to like what i do day to day um yeah i think not so much to like for other people to see it's more about like the process of making it and for mm -hmm. people so yeah definitely something i'm looking forward to doing i see i see uh, i'll obviously hit you up as one of my funniest friends so uh, uh, well appreciate that <laughs> i you got the creative piece blowing in you so yeah where to go I, I think I have the I have a lot of time on my hands to edit the video, so <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's yeah, I mean any any uh any any messages that you wanna give out um to people in their twenties kind of you know, being yeah confused i mean is is there anything that's kind of like uh, yeah one of the last questions is like um you know after graduating from university and working for two years has there been any particular like like thoughts or realizations that you did have about yourself or like the future that you envision or some sort of value um that um that you which you didn't really pay attention or have prior to working something that you now cherish a lot or like like you said reading is probably one of them yeah definitely uh yeah i think i guess this would kind of come as like advice to people that are still in school mm. it, and one thing i've realized once you start working is how much little time you have mm. and obviously i'm i think i'm more on the extreme side based on mine but even i'm sure you feel the same as like sure. compared to college right the amount of free time you have is so little as yeah. work you a lot of your time and then half the time you're so exhausted from work, you don't have the energy to do anything anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, you really, yeah. Right? And I think when that's the case, it almost makes the time that you do have, like, you want to cherish it a lot more. Mm -hmm. And you want to cherish that by spending it with the people 
that you value in your life. Yeah. As opposed to like, so that's one thing I've like tried to do is even when I'm tired, like I try to get out there and like mm. hit up friends and like, Hey guys, let's do something. Yeah. Because I just think about like how fast time goes when yeah. you have a little daily time. Right. And I can't believe myself that I've been working for two years. Mm. If it yesterday. Right. Yeah. And so I don't want to wake up in 10 years and be like, Oh man, all I did was work and yeah. I didn't value the people around me. Um, and the time that I had, mm. so, like advice I'd give, especially right now, because all my close friends live in Tokyo. Yeah, for sure. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, which wasn't, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that when everyone started working, uh, people just came back to like, start to move to Tokyo and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to have, uh, a community here. Um, cause like you said, Tokyo, it's a place there's you know, a lot of people here, but you do, it's a, it's an easy, easy place to get kind of lonely. Uh, yeah. everyone lives on their own in studio apartments and it's, it's not that convenient to go to somebody's place. You got to take the subway, take the train and yeah, Tokyo is pretty massive. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Tokyo's big. You can't <laughs> say like, I live in Tokyo and like you could, that could mean anywhere. Yeah. Right? It really so does. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it can definitely get lonely. Um, and, you know, on the weekdays, you're almost not seeing anyone mm-hmm. because everyone is tired from work or exactly. maybe the people that live near you, which yeah. is not that many. Yeah. So yeah, I think you do have that free time. It's like, it's, it's just, it's so easy to stay home. Mm, yeah. I love Goro Goro Sudo. I never think to do, but I'm trying to like, mm so much you know mm-hmm. whether that's spending time with friends or spending time reading mm-hmm. just not spending time being you know just yeah. like floating almost just being passive yeah I yeah control of my time that i do have exactly that that kind of i i definitely when i started working uh i i was just yeah kind of doing a lot of passive activities and that kind of actually made me kind of depressed um yeah. and yeah it's so easy like i totally understand it like i yeah. feel like until recently i was like within that kind of realm of just doing passive things on the weekend mm-hmm. but like even you think about tokyo it's like one of the best cities in the world and there's so much to explore mm-hmm. right that you just we probably just touched the one percent of tokyo yeah right? and there's yeah. a percent that like i'm eager to explore and to be able yeah. to do people that i I enjoy spending time with like that's Definitely. awesome yeah that's something that i think you know it's tough to keep that mindset every day when you're mm-hmm. bad at work but it's important to like try to do mm-hmm. that yeah yeah and speaking of trips there's uh i think there's like three long day weekends for the next uh three consecutive months so we should definitely plan something はい。はい、もう。まあ、いや、もうやめろ。何、何、何か言ったらいいの。いや、待って。オッケー、オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッ
there was some helpful stuff in there. Well, I don't For know sure. if it was, but I definitely appreciate you. Oh, definitely, yeah. Nah, she's a chance. Okay, that's it. Why? Right.